0: Hello and welcome to the Clearfort Community Church Podcast. Our hope with this podcast is that you would be encouraged by the weekly teaching from God's Word not just on Sunday mornings but every day of the week. To learn more about Clearfort Community Church, go to Clearfortchurch.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Clearfort Church. Now let's jump into this week's message. Well, good morning! How are we? By good? I wanted to let you know that Tyler and Lindsey Briggs are in the house. Would y'all wave at us back there? And uh, some of you know this, some of you don't know this, but if it weren't for the two of those, that uh, Clearfork wouldn't wouldn't exist. They sent us out from from uh, from Watermark Fort Worth and blessed us and gave us everything we needed to get started. And so let's give them a big round of applause. Thank y'all so much for helping us and uh, being kingdom people. We're, we're super grateful. So thanks for being here this morning. So, And also just wanted to say thank you to our church family. Many of you know that my wife lost her dad this past week. She went home to, to see him home from the hospital and ended up planning a funeral. And so you've been so gracious, so many texts and, and calls and and food. Our community group has acted like a community group, and they've taken care of us. We've got more food than we know what to do with, so we're super grateful. That's what a church is all about. When we go through these difficult times, go through things in life that are not fun, that we have one another that can come alongside us, and, and to go through things alone is the hardest thing in the world, but when you go through things that are hard, and you've got people around you, it, it, there is a great comfort in that, so thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So also just want to let you know uh, in two weeks, guys, I want to meet with all the men. We're going to meet right after the service for about 20 minutes. Uh, the, the women met this past week. They got 54 women in women's Bible study, and some of the men are like, hey, what's going on? We got to, we got to get with this thing. So we're going to meet two weeks from now uh, downstairs in the, uh, the big room downstairs. So uh, be a part of that. We'd love for you to to uh, be with us as we're moving forward, planning for Easter and the things that are coming up. Well, we're in the middle of a, a, a great series. In fact, this is a series that we're going to continue to do in the future. There'll be something that we, we bring back in the future called The Journey because we're walking down a pathway, a discipleship pathway that I believe that will bring you life. And so Jeremiah 6.16, it says, this is what the Lord says. Jeremiah wrote this 600 years before the birth of Christ. He said, this is what the Lord says. Stand to the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths and ask where the good way is and then walk in that good way and you will find rest for your souls. That's what we're talking about is rest for your souls. Jesus echoed that scripture in Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am humble and I'm lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so that's what we're talking about. Taking a journey. When you give your life over to Christ completely, there bring there is a rest for your soul. And we're going to see that. This morning. And so we've been following the compass here, this kind of a pathway. You'll see that the gospel is is a part of all of that. It's a part of every step along the way. But we've talked about the, the first place that you start is making a profession of faith, that at some point in your life, whether you're eight years old or you're 80 years old, there comes a time in your life where you have to see who Jesus is, recognize that he is the Savior, and say to him, I place myself under your lordship. I make you Lord and Savior. I accept you as my Savior. I am born again. All these metaphors that the Bible uses to say, basically, I believe what Jesus did on the cross for me, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And you make that profession of faith. And then you follow that profession of faith with a public baptism, it's biblical. It's just what Jesus told us to do. And we make that public and we're saying, hey, I've accepted Christ. I'm not ashamed of that. And I want to let people know that. So that's the first step of obedience. And then you're born into a family physically, and you're born into a family in the family of God. You need people around you. We don't do this Christian life alone. And Michael did a great job three weeks ago now. It's amazing. Three weeks ago, he talked about that we do this life together in community that we were never intended to walk the Christian life by ourselves. And so we do this in community, and that's specifically in a community group where you can be fully known and fully love where people know what's going on in your life and can help you walk through those stages those difficulties and those celebrations in life Not only that, but you've got to be empowered by the Spirit and learning how to walk in the Spirit. And Matt did a great job two weeks ago of talking about walking in the Spirit. How how are you filled with the Spirit? And the Spirit is what gives you the power to live the Christian life. And so living by being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, we're going to talk about growing in loving obedience. You've got to be filled with the Spirit, but Being filled with the Spirit leads you to understand what God's Word says and then gives you the power to grow in loving obedience. So that is the pathway, and we're going to continue in that, seeing people in terms of seeking those who are searching, also moving beyond that to shepherding other people, and then becoming someone who could disciple someone else in the faith. Some of you have been Christians for a long time. In fact, Paul says, or or the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 5, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. So the writer's saying to the people of Hebrews, hey, it's time to grow up. It's time to move on from milk to solid food, and we as a church now are five months old, right? So we're still kind of on milk, right? We're still sucking on milk as a church body, but some of you have been believers for a long time, and you're continuing to need to move on to solid food. So we want to encourage you in your growth in walking with Christ. So we want to invite you every week So we're inviting everybody in the room to do one of three things, or maybe more than one of these, but at least one of these is to say, number one, have you joined the journey? Has there been a time when you put your faith in Christ? Have you made that decision? Have you joined the journey? And we're also inviting you, if you have accepted Christ, where are you on this journey? And and what steps do you need to take to say, hey, I want to continue to grow. What's the next step in my faith journey? And then some of you, again, can turn around and you can help someone else on that journey. So we're asking you to do one of those three things as we move forward. So again, today we're talking about growing in loving obedience. And so so, uh, Jesus ties those two things together. When he talks about obedience, John 14, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Man, that's pretty easy, is it? Like, hey, if you love me, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. He's speaking to disciples. He says, You know the Spirit, For he dwells with you and will be in you, the scripture says. So we, when we accept Christ, have the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us into growing in loving obedience. So love and obedience are tied together. And growing in our understanding of God's word should lead us to have a desire to obey God's word. So as we grow in our understanding of what God's word says about different things, we say, hey, that should lead me to go, hey, I want to do that. Not I have to do that, but I want to do that. It doesn't mean that we're gonna be perfect, right? It doesn't mean that we're not gonna fail, but it does mean our desire of our hearts is to say, what does God's word say? And if it says it, I want to do it because we begin to understand God is good. God wants what's best for us. And so we begin to understand that he loves us. And if we know that he loves us and we love him, then Jesus says, hey, you're going to keep my commandment. You're going you're to follow in obedience. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at one of my favorite scriptures one of my favorite scenes in all of scripture, John chapter 21. And we're going to see Peter. We're going to see Peter, this this man who is following after Christ. He's passionate about everything. And yet we see him in John 21 take monumental steps towards growing in loving obedience. And we're going to show you how he took these steps and, and what growing in loving obedience usually takes this course of action. So, would you pray with me as we kind of prepare our hearts for what God's going to do this morning? Let's, let's pray together. So, Father, we do, we, we, we stop, we just pause for a moment. And I, I, you wouldn't be here if you didn't desire at least to, to know more about God's Word or that you're at least curious about this whole deal. So, you're here, so let's just let God do His work, right? We're here, so you might as well be here. So would you just ask God, God, would you show me how to grow in loving obedience to your word and to your spirit? Speak to me. Speak through me and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, a number of months ago, I got in trouble with our singles group because I called them out, so I won't do that again this morning, but... I am going to ask the ladies that are maybe single, because it's been a little while since I've done this, but ladies, when does a guy tell you that he loves you, right? When should that be? When should that approximate time be if you're dating a guy and you've gone on the first date, not after the first date, right? Not after the first date. Like, no, that's a little too soon. Not after the second date. Maybe after you meet the friends, if you meet the friend, no. If you meet the parents, after you meet the parents, is it okay after you meet the parents? When does a guy, when is it safe for a guy to say to a girl that he really does have feelings for, I love you, right? When is that time? Well, I was dating trusted. I'd been dating trusted for a couple of months, and man, I already knew. I already knew she was the one for me. I told my roommates I was still in college, and said, hey, she's the one, I, I know it. And so I was confident about this. So that Christmas, I gave a picture to Krista of a rose, right? Really romantic. I gave her this picture. And on the inside of that picture frame where she could not see it, I wrote, I love you. Will you marry me? And I dated it. And I turned it over and put it on the back and she hung that thing in her room at the University of Georgia for another 13 months. It's hanging on her on her uh, wall there at University of Georgia and when it got time when it was safe when the water was good and and it was safe to tell her I loved her and I was ready to ask her to marry me 13 months later not too far I knew a good thing when I saw it right. Thirteen months later, I said, hey, do you mind bringing that picture home of the rose that I gave you? She didn't know anything was going on. So I take her down to St. Simon's Island, took her to this nice restaurant, and I asked her to marry me. And then I make the reveal of, hey, I knew this 13 months ago. But, you know, my, my love for my wife has grown. What I thought was love this Wednesday will be 32 years ago I asked her to marry me. 32 years ago, and so what I thought was love then is not anywhere compared to what I know it is now, right? Through all the things and the ups and downs and all around and all the heartache and pain and the things that we've been through, love grows, and it's something that you can't even imagine when you're 22 years old, right? And when I said yes to the Lord when I was 11 years old, I had no idea what it meant truly to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. We grow in our loving obedience towards Christ. We grow in our love with Christ. When we go through things with him, when we go through life with him, we grow in our desire to obey him because we've been there and we've done that and we don't want to disobey again. We want to grow in our love for him. So as we look at John chapter 21, Peter was quick to say, jesus i love you he was quick to say that okay so i want us to see here in john 21 this is after the resurrection okay this is after the death burial, and resurrection of christ the disciples knew that jesus had been resurrected and so i want you to see this this video on your mind's eye i want you to see it here okay so it's John chapter 21, and Peter is sitting around. He's sitting around with six other disciples. I don't know where the other four were, but the other six disciples and Peter are sitting there. Peter's restless. I know he's, he's concerned. He, he had gone through a lot with the Lord. And so he says to the rest of these six disciples, hey, I'm going fishing. Okay, can you see him? He's like, hey, guys, I'm going fishing. He tells the rest of them, they say, hey, we're going with you. We're going with you. And so they all, they're going down to the Sea of Galilee. They get on the Sea of Galilee They begin fishing. And and I want you to rewind. Guys, rewind back, okay? Go back to Matthew chapter 26, okay? Matthew chapter 26. Peter is there and he's talking to Jesus. And Jesus says, this is before the resurrection, before the crucifixion. And he says to his disciples, he's talking to them. He says to them, he says, hey, I'm about to be arrested and crucified. And all of you are going to desert me. And Peter looks at Jesus and says, no way. I'm not going to desert you. I'm with you. Man, I'm with you all the way. These other smos, they may desert you, but not me. I am going to be with you always. And Jesus looks Peter in the eye and he says, Peter, actually, before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. Peter doesn't know what to say to that. So I want you to go ahead and fast forward a little bit to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. And so it's after now Jesus has been resurrected. Peter's cut off the, the man's ear and Jesus has healed him. And then, then they take Jesus away. And it says, true to what Jesus said, all of the disciples desert J- Jesus at that moment. They desert him completely. They, they, they deny him Uh, you know, Judas, uh, denies him and turns him over. Uh, Peter denies him and all of the other disciples desert him. So Peter is following Jesus at a distance. All right. So Jesus is now being taken into the, the courtyard of, of, uh, Caiaphas to the high priest. He's taken into the high priest into the courtyard. And I'm not sure exactly what it looked like, but someone had, had built a fire and Peter is around this fire and he can see Jesus evidently they could see each other and Jesus is waiting to be on trial again for probably a third fourth time here that night it's early probably two three four o'clock in the morning and Jesus and is there warming himself and a servant girl says to Peter Peter hey you you were with him weren't you you were with the Galilean Peter says no I don't, I don't know what you're talking about I don't know this man then another man says, hey, you you also were with him. No, I don't know what you're talking about. And a third time, someone says, hey, you were also with him. And he says, I am telling you. And he calls down curses and says, I don't know the man. And at that moment, it says he caught the eye of Jesus and Jesus saw him. And he went out from the courtyard and, and wept bitterly. So I want you to see that sometimes growing in loving obedience has to go through is it's forged through painful failure sometimes our growing and loving obedience is forged through painful failure it's it's when you understand how much you failed christ that you want to and desire to obey him even that much more so some of you know um a time in your life when when you failed the, the Lord. And the first thing you have to understand about the Christian life is that we cannot walk the Christian life ourselves in our own power. In fact, willpower Christianity just won't work. All right. It's not like, Hey, I started the new year out. I'm going to follow Christ. I've decided to give it all to him. And I'm going to make a, turn over a new leaf and do this thing. And you kind of pull yourselves up by the bootstraps and you decide I'm going to follow Jesus. That's where Peter was. He was saying, Hey, I can do this. I will never deny you. And and Jesus says, Hey, Peter, you've not gotten to the end of yourself yet. You've not gotten to the place where you realize you really can't do this apart from me. You see, willpower Christianity will lead you to four things. One of one of four things, maybe more than one of these, but at least one of these four things. Number one, it'll lead you to arrogance. All right. So if you're in the willpower Christianity and you're succeeding, you're doing all the right things and you're checking all the boxes and you're doing all the things that you're supposed to do, then you begin to think, hey, I'm, I've got this thing together. I, I, I can do this Christian thing. And that's kind of where Peter was. It was like, hey, I've got this Christian thing down. I know how to follow Christ. I can do this thing. It can lead you to arrogance and self-righteousness and you can begin to look down on other others because they're not doing what they should do and poor, those poor people, they just can't follow Christ like I can. And you wouldn't say that out loud, but there's this kind of underpending, under, understanding that I've got this thing together and I can help you, right? It'll lead you to arrogance. Or it will lead you to anger because you begin to want to control things, control yourselves, control others, and you can't do that and so that leads to anger which eventually leads to anxiety because you can't have all of that under control. And you begin to see things crack. You see some cracks in your own armor, and, and that leads to anxiety, like I, this, this fear, which eventually leads to where I think Peter is right now, is kind of apathy. Like, man, I've just, now I know i failed. Now I know I, I, I completely denied Christ three times right in front of his face. And I told him just hours before, I would never do that. And then I found myself doing the very thing I don't want to do. And Paul learned that in Romans chapter six. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I keep on doing those things. And that leads you to the understanding that you need a Savior. So growing in loving obedience to Christ, ironically, sometimes is forged through your greatest failure you begin to understand your need for Christ in a whole new way. So growing in loving obedience begins, or a lot of times is forced through failure. But second, it leads you to a supernatural surrender. It leads you to a supernatural surrender. I want you to see this second video here real quick. Okay, in your mind's eye, I want you to see the disciples. okay. So they said, Hey, I'm going fishing. And the rest of the guys come with them. And it says they're out on the Sea of Galilee and they've been fishing all night long. I mean, all night long they've been fishing. It's two, three, four o'clock in the morning. They're not catching anything. They're they're talking and they're just worn out. They're they're beat down. And about five o'clock in the morning, the sun is coming up over the sea, and man, they're worn out. And some guy walks up on the shore and says, Hey, children. Hey, who's calling us children? We we've been fishing a long time. We're not children. Have you caught any fish? No? No, we hadn't caught anything. Hey, we'll throw throw the net on the other side of the boat. The other side of the boat, what are you talking about? We've fishing all night. We fished over there. We fished there. We fished there. I, okay, whatever. We'll throw the fish. Uh, we'll throw the net on the other side of the boat. And then all of a sudden they. They pull in all of these fish, 153 fish. Who's counting fish at that moment, right? 153 fish, so many fish, they can't even pull the nets in. And I think at that moment, John, the writer of the gospel here, John remembers back to three years earlier. I think we talked about this about a month ago. The calling of Peter and the early disciples, this exact same scene happened Three years before when they, when Jesus called Peter the first time and John's like, hey, this is too familiar. This is deja vu all over again, right? Yogi Bear, this is deja vu all over again. Something's going on here. And then I think he recognized that it was Jesus and, and John says, hey, it's the Lord. And Peter is so overjoyed. He pulls his outer garment over him, which is kind of interesting that John would record that. He pulls his coat over him, and he just jumps overboard and begins to swim to shore. You see, our growing in loving obedience has to come to a place where you are at the end of yourself in terms of your own ability, and you get to a place where you're like, God, I'm ready. Like, whatever you ask me to do, I'm ready to surrender it all to you at this point. And you know what? Sometimes we think we're at the end of our rope and we still got a long way to go. And God knows that, right? You think, okay, I'm ready, God. I'm ready to give it all to you. And then, then you get a little glimmer of hope. You're like, okay, n- maybe not yet. Okay. And then you come back and then, then you get to the final, final, final moment. You say, God, okay, now I'm ready to give it all to you. That's where Peter is. He had gotten to the end of himself. He's fishing all night. In fact, when you, when you go back to the things you used to do before you came to know Christ, it's like it just doesn't satisfy. He thought, maybe I'll go back to fishing. I'll get my groove back there. And then, but you go back to the old things you used to do, and you're like, man, it just doesn't, it just doesn't do it because I, I, I want to follow Christ. And so Peter and the disciples are now at the very end of their rope, okay? And it's at the very end of your rope that you grow in your loving obedience in a tremendous way. Have you ever been at the end of the rope with your marriage? You're like, man, I, I don't think we can do this anymore. I don't think I can do this anymore. I'm just at the end of my rope. That's when you're ready for Christ to step in. You ever been at the end of rope at your career? You're like, man, I just don't think I can do this anymore. That's when you're ready for Christ to step in there. Have you been to the end of your rope with a sin struggle or, or some kind of addiction and you say, I, I just don't, I don't think I can do this anymore. That's when you're ready to grow in loving obedience towards Christ. A supernatural surrender to say, God, I'm, I really am ready at this point to give it all to you and allow you to do whatever you want to do in my life. I'm, I'm ready. A supernatural surrender. And that's when the Spirit of God says, okay, I was waiting for that. The spirit of God begins to step in and you begin to sense God's presence in your life in a new and exciting way and trusting him. And so that's where the disciples were. They were at the end of themselves and ready. And Peter was so ready that he, again, just jumps in the water, swims towards Jesus. Okay. Are you there? Growing in loving obedience. The next thing is that it's, it's motivated. Growing in loving obedience is motivated, or it should be motivated, by a marvelous love of Christ for you, all right? Not your love for Christ, but Christ's love for you. So I want us to look at the screen again. So look at the screen in your mind's eye again, okay? So Peter is there. Peter has jumped in the water. He swam, swam to shore. He's sitting in front of Jesus. He's sopping wet, you know, and just like, Hey, what's going on? You know? And Peter says, uh, Jesus says, come on over here. I've got, I've got the fire already started. I've got some fish on for you. Bring some more of the fish that you just caught. I've got breakfast for you. It says he has bread and he broke the bread and and he gave it to him. Kind of Kind of like, oh, man, I've seen this before. This is kind of very similar to the feeding of the 5,000, something. And and Peter's beginning to experience, like, we've done this. This reminds him of the three years he spent with Christ and the times they spent around, many times around the fire. And notice he's around the fire. Where did he deny Christ? Denied Christ around the fire, right? So I think that's, again, strategic. Jesus brings him back to this place brings back the disciples. So you see them, they're all sitting there and they're, they're eating together and they're talking. Have you gotten to a place where when you failed Christ that you realize how much he loves you? I want you to put yourself in the position of Christ here for a moment. Can you imagine spending three years of your life with guys that you invested your entire life into Spent all of your time with them, discipled them. They would say they were your best friends. You would say you're best friends with them, and you are tight. And in your darkest moment, I don't know what your darkest moment has been in your life, but all of those guys just say, I don't even know who you are. Can you imagine that? And then Jesus comes back to those same guys that just days before had done that to him and says, hey, come on, let's Let's have breakfast would you do that? Hey guys, all you guys that deserted me, you don't even know my name. When I was in the darkest time of my whole life, you deserted me. Hey, come have breakfast. No, not me, right? That's where Jesus is. He meets them right where they are and says, hey, come on, let me serve you again. Let's have breakfast together. Do you know Christ that way? In the midst of your failure, in the midst of all that you have, that, that you failed Christ, and then he says to you, come, let's, let's have breakfast together. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still rebelling against him, while we were still kind of giving him the bird, Jesus died for us. That's the good news of the gospel, right? There's a story told Jesus uh, Jesus told, or it's, it's told of Jesus, he was in the house of Simon with the Pharisees. He says he walked into the home and Simon, no one washed his feet. No one attended to him, which is pretty customary of the day, but no big deal. Jesus like, hey, no big deal. They don't want to choose to do that. So he lounges down at the table. He's eating and he's there with all these religious muckety mucks. And, and there's a woman at their that's at his feet, and she's washing his feet with her hair, and with the tears that she's crying, she's washing Jesus' feet in the alabaster jar of, of expensive perfume, and she's just, she's weeping and washing and kissing his feet. And, and Simon says, hey, if he knew the kind of woman that was washing his feet, well, yeah, you know, and, and all the other Pharisees are saying, Jesus knows what they're thinking, And he tells a parable, but the long and short of it is he says, hey, this woman loves much because she's been forgiven much. He says, those who have been forgiven much love much. When you understand, because we've all been forgiven much, right? If you really look back in your life, you realize how much you've been forgiven of you begin to love much. And growing in loving obedience is realizing all that Christ has done for you, all that he's forgiven you of, and then you begin to love him even greater because of what he's done for you and how he served you in the midst of those places. So this is monumental for Peter. After his failure, his Savior comes to him and says, hey, let's have breakfast together. So growing in loving obedience is motivated by a marvelous love. We see that here in John chapter 21. The next thing is growing in loving obedience is, is sometimes very pointed, personal, and very purposeful. Growing in loving obedience, sometimes it's very pointed. And it's very personal, but God has a purpose for it. So here, let's go back to the video screen here. And you see the disciples, they're, they've they just eaten breakfast together. I think Peter's like, man, this is unbelievable. He's come back. He, he, he senses what Jesus is doing. He loves him. And then they're cleaning up after the meal. You see that disciples, maybe they're throwing the fish into the fire and they're washing their hands. Maybe this is where someone went over and caught and counted all the fish, 153 of them recorded for all of history, 153 fish, right? And so they're cleaning up. And and maybe right in the midst of that, Jesus looks to, to Peter and says, hey, Simon, son of John. Notice he doesn't call him Peter. He calls him by his old name, Simon, son of John. It's almost like hey, Jeffrey Barrett Sanders, only my mom would say that, right? Jeffrey Barrett Sanders with her finger in my face, right? No, Jesus isn't saying that way. He's just saying, Simon, son of John do you love me more than these? Look at him. He's saying that to Peter right there. Simon, do you love me more than these? And he, he, maybe he's pointing at the other disciples and saying, hey, do you really love me more than these other guys? You said that just a few days ago. Do you really love me more than them? Maybe he's looking at the boats and the nets and he's like, hey, you want to go back to fishing or do you really love me more than fishing? Do you love me more than all of these things? And Jesus says to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you agapeo me more than these. Agapeo was, there's three words in Greek for love. Okay. Most of you know this, eros, more of the passionate love. And then there's phileo, which is more kind of a brotherly love. And then there's agape or agapeo, which is this, I would do anything for you. I have given you my life. You have everything about me. And so Jesus says to Peter, do you agapeo me? And Peter, I think he's going, hey, I don't want to overshoot like I did before. (laughs) Man, I told him I loved him with everything, and I just I I couldn't come through for that. You know, and so he says, well, Jesus, I I, I love you like a brother. I I phileo you. Yes, Lord, I phileo you. And then Jesus says, well, then obey me. Feed my sheep. Don't go back to fishing. Feed my sheep. Do what I've asked you to do then he asked him a second time, he says, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you agopeo me? Yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. You know I love you like a brother. And Jesus says, well, if you love me like a brother, then feed my sheep. And he asked him a third time why. Again, I think Jesus says all of this is intentional. It's personal. To Peter, you deny me three times, I'm going to ask you a third time. Now, Peter, do you phileo me? Okay, Peter, you've said you only love me like a brother. Okay, do you really just love me like a brother? Okay, if you love me like a brother, then Simon says, yes, I do phileo you, Jesus. And Jesus says, well, then feed my sheep. You see, when we grow in loving obedience, there's a time when, when Jesus knows us. He knows our name, Simon, son of John. I know where you've come from. I know you. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I know who you are. And he calls us specifically. And and it's kind of like, man, there's no way he's not speaking to me. Because it's so personal. We we sang, I didn't even talk to JT today about what he was going to sing. And and I preached my my father-in-law's funeral last Sunday, and it was Psalm 23. You think that's by chance? You think maybe God, you know, God knows us, and He speaks to us, and, and it's very personal, and he, he points things out, and He does it in a loving way, but Jesus is definitely getting to the point here, right? You can't dodge this. Peter, I'm not going to let you dodge this. I'm going to go to the heart of it. I'm gonna, we're going to have this conversation, and then I'm going to restore you, and then Peter knocks it out of the park, right? There was a time, some of you know that I, I, I built houses and I've flipped houses. I've done some real estate stuff and all of that. And there was a time when I had uh, finished this project and man, I had worked super hard on this thing, gotten contractors in, and we were almost finished with it. I can literally remember leaning up against the, the door frame, and I, and I just sensed the Lord tell me, I want, I want you to give me all the proceeds Everything you make off this project, I want you to give it to me. I want you to give it to the church. And I was like, huh? Hold on minute, all... Now, God, hold on a minute. I've been working on this thing for months. I've been, I've been working on this thing a long time. And you want all of, uh, you, you want, but what about, okay, and so this is what Peter does. So Jesus goes on and, and talks and says, hey, Peter, when you were young, you, you went anywhere you wanted to go. You were young and you could do whatever you wanted to do. But when you get older, they're going to lead you to a place you don't want to go. And, and John records that was because Jesus was telling Peter, hey, this is the kind of death you're going to, to die. And Peter says, hey what about John? What, what about him? What, what are you, what, why are you talking to me like that? What about John? What's he going to do? And, and Jesus looks at Peter and says, hey, if I want John to stay alive until I come back again, then that's my business, and that's between me and John. But I'm not talking to John. I'm talking to you. It's like my kids. My kids used to always be like, hey, none of the other parents have their, their, their kids. don't have to do that. I said, well, they're not my kids, right? I mean, they're not my kids. So that's what Peter's basically doing here. Jesus, what are you talking about? What about him? She said, I'm not talking to John. I'm talking to you. And so sometimes when our obedience, God's called us to something, it's like, hey, no one else has to do that. Well, I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. It's personal and it's pointed, but it has a purpose. And you've got to trust that God is good. God wants what's best for you. And I'm telling you, When he asked for all of what I was going to make of that, I balked at that. I wrestled with God. I didn't want to do that. And yet I'm telling you, God is so gracious. God is super abundantly gracious. If we just do what he's asked us to do, he has a purpose. I have never been in want. There's not been anything I really even wanted that I couldn't go get because God has been so gracious. It's not a health and wealth thing. I'm just saying God's been gracious to me. When you just do what he's asked you to do, you're going to find that God is good and he's a good heavenly father who wants to give good gifts to his children. And you begin to realize that is true. All right. The last thing here is growing in loving obedience. Growing in loving obedience is refreshing and restful to your soul. When you grow and you begin to understand that God has your best in mind, you can rest and know that he's got you regardless of what's going on around you. So, okay, guys, fast forward. We're going to fast forward through the resurrection, through Pentecost, through the coming of the Spirit, and we're all the way in Acts chapter 12 here. Okay, here's the scene. Peter, after Pentecost, is preaching the gospel. He's preached the gospel to thousands of people. 3,000 people come to know Christ through Peter's preaching on Pentecost. God had a purpose. Jesus had a purpose. He's feeding God's lambs. He's doing what God's called him to do. And in Acts chapter 12, James, uh, one of the apostles, is arrested and he is beheaded. Man, wow. He's beheaded. And, 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 And Peter... Herod realizes that pleased the people, and so he, he arrests Peter. And he says, hey, if, if it was good for James, then we'll do the same thing to Peter. The people will be excited about that. And so he arrests Peter and puts him in jail. And, and you look in Acts chapter 12, and he's tied to two soldiers, one on his right and one on his left. And Peter's just laying there in the middle of them asleep like a baby just totally asleep, waiting on, waiting up the, you know, thinking he's going to wake up the next morning and and he's going to get the same fate as James. And yet Peter is at total peace knowing that, hey, God's got me. Whether it's time for me to go or not time for me to go, whatever God has in store, I'm at total peace because God's got me. You know, Krista experienced that this week with her dad. You know, she was on the left hand side of her dad, and, and her brother's on the right side of her dad. And fishing buddies in the room, he's at home. And, and she was just there whispering in her dad's ear as he passed this past week. Because, you know what, guys, this thing that we're talking about is real, right? Y'all understand this is real. Like at some point, we, we all pass away, and we've got we've to answer the hard questions in life. And so, watching her dad pass this week, she didn't go down there to do that. And yet she felt the presence of God in such a powerful way, knowing that, no, this isn't what I desire, but I know God's got me. And she just did. She hung in there. She stuck with her dad all the way through and just loved him to the very end. When you know God's got you, you can do the hard things. So growing in loving obedience is forged through painful failure. It's, it's supernatural surrender to the Spirit of God. It's motivated by love and forgiveness. It's personal, it's pointed, and it's purposeful, and it's refreshing and restful to your soul. You may not have been in a similar situation as Peter. Once you were confident in your walk with Christ, but then you experience failure. Do you see Jesus as someone who wants to come and and take you out to breakfast and have this pointed personal conversation with you and restore you and use you in the way that he used Peter? That's what we desire for you. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing the things that we're doing because this thing is real, eternity is real and God wants to use you to do things way beyond anything you could ever ask or imagine. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Let's pray together. So, Father, we we want to grow in our loving obedience towards you. We want to we know your word, and we want to do your word. And it's when we put that into practice that we see you work in phenomenal ways. When we just obey. And, God, we want to do that. God, would you... Help us in our unbelief. Would you pray that right now? Just say, God, I, I, I want to obey. I'm assuming that you're here because you want to, to obey God and that you want to grow in your loving obedience towards him. And maybe you heard, even during this time together, you heard him say, hey, I want you to make that phone call. I want you to forgive that person. I want you to have that conversation with your dad or with your mom. I, you I want you to have that conversation with your partner. I want you to receive my forgiveness. Would you just listen to his voice? Listen for his voice. And when you hear his voice, put it into action right away. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you identify with Peter. You know there's ways that you've failed Christ and, and it's haunted you and you've carried that around. Jesus didn't want you to carry that around. He didn't want to shame you. I want to ask you, to would you let go of that right now? Answer the question that maybe Jesus is posing to you. Do you love me? And feed my sheep. So, Father, we thank you that you are a good, loving, heavenly Father. Jesus, we thank you that you know us, that you love us, that you forgive us, that you restore us, that you want to use us in spite of our failures, that, God, we're so grateful that we can turn back to you, that you demonstrated your love towards us, that while we were still sinful, you died for us. We thank you for the gospel. and God, we thank you for our church family. Continue to let God do a work as we sing this final song together. Let's stand and we'll worship together. Thanks so much for listening to the Clearfork Community Church Podcast. For more information about our church, head to clearforkchurch.org. Take heart, Fort Worth. He has overcome the world. We hope to see you soon.